clear eyes, full hearts, can figure out whether or not Lost is a good TV show. Hi, welcome to All the Best Podcasts Have Daddy Issues, a podcast about whether or not Lost is a good TV show. Uh, I'm your host, Nolan Pavlich. And I'm Emma May. And we're here to talk about Season 3, Episode 8, Flashes Before Your Eyes. Uh, now, of course, uh, as we do at the beginning of every episode without fail, we usually like to start off with some light and breezy chit-chat before we really get into the episode. So something, you know, nice and uh, pleasant to talk about. Uh, I, so I guess, Emma, I just was wondering, what are your thoughts on the uh, Israel-Palestine conflict? And uh, how would you solve that if you had the chance? I would sit them all down and watch Lost together. Oh wow, yeah, that's a that's a great idea. Yeah, I they think that would do the bond. trick. I mean, if it was me, and you know, I just for me, I would say maybe have them listen to this podcast. Yeah, um, I think that would do it. But I mean, Lost is uh, great too, or is it? We don't know yet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, now that we've gotten uh, that that little bit of small talk out of the way um how'd you feel about this episode emma it was so good it's i so loved good. it <laughs> it's stupid how good this is I, we, we honestly the last two have been great we've gotten lucky where mm-hmm. we've been on a, a decent roll yeah I, I think our streak is ending next week but you know you got to take the wins where you find them um you know what it's weird every time i read the title of the next episode my eyes glaze over (laughs) and i'm unable to comprehend uh the eldritch runes that i'm seeing so uh (laughs) uh, i can't think about that we just got to focus on this week Mm -hmm. uh yeah so this this episode i would say is when lost finally just decided you know what we're just gonna go for it uh, I think there been there. I mean, there's been plenty of fantasy slash science fiction stuff on the show so far. I actually think that the Hatch is like pretty excellent science fiction. Mm-hmm. That idea of like two people trapped in a bunker and they have to keep pressing this button every 108 minutes and like they're both slowly going crazy or whatever. Like just that concept would make such a good like science fiction. Sh- short story mm-hmm. um so i but like it, it's all been pretty grounded up until now i guess maybe besides like the smoke monster but otherwise pretty much everything else that you see on the island is like explainable by mundane stuff mm-hmm. right like people see visions in the forest but they also you know could just be uh, hallucinating from trauma that kind of thing but this is uh this is where it gets crazy yeah, big fan of them leaning into the strange. Yes, for sure. Um, and I think there is there's some elements we'll talk about this when we get into the flashbacks that I think are a little bit clunky. Um, but I well we'll talk about it when we get there. So jumping in, this episode was written by Damon Lindelof and Drew Goddard or Goddard. Uh, and directed by Jack Bender, who we have all seen before plenty of times. And it aired on February 14th, 2007. Um, so the, kind of a romantic uh, date for this to air on. 
but it is. it's not really i mean really it's about a breakup if you think about it so what delicious irony i suppose mm. um and the episode starts off we are treated to uh, and it, it's kind of cool. I don't know. You, you watch on Hulu, I'm sure, right? Right. Yeah. So on the DVDs, when you get to this scene, there's a little like glowing banner across the bottom of the screen, and it says one thousandth scene of somebody ransacking Sawyer's stuff while he's oh. gone. <laughs> uh, and I think that that is pretty cool. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Charlie and Hurley are breaking into Sawyer's tent. They're stealing his uh, his food and medicine and um, booze and porn. I, which I, the did you see? Did you see what the porn was called? No, I didn't. What was the, it? The fake name was Playpen. Oh, which is such <laughs> such a no. stupid. I mean, I guess Playboy isn't better, but like it's just like one of those things where. I mean, it's only supposed to be on the screen for half a second. It just made me laugh. It's like there's there's literally one uh, one way that you use the uh, the word playpen, and it's mm-hmm. for uh, enclosing toddlers. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> as they are uh, tearing this apart, Desmond gets uh, both of them and takes them into the woods so that they can talk to uh, Locke and Saeed, who I assume are only in this episode for, like, contractual obligations like there has mm-hmm. to be so many main cast members in an episode uh because otherwise they're barely in it at all mm-hmm. um but they tell charlie and hurley that uh, echo is dead and Locke says the island killed him and then charlie charlie's like what do you mean by that and Locke's like oh well you know what i mean uh which i think is funny because like charlie watched the pilot get eaten by I, what i think yeah. we can assume now is the smoke monster so like, you could have just said the monster got him, and Charlie would have been like, oh, yeah, I remember that from, you know, four weeks ago or however long it's been. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Locke wants them to have everybody, uh, to help everybody remain calm when they break the news about Echo's death. Uh, but as they are having this conversation, Hurley suddenly notices that Desmond uh, seems off for some reason. And Desmond suddenly runs out. Um, all the way from the jungle uh, to the beach. And he takes off his clothes, except for, you guessed it, the uh, the Wrangler bootcut jeans that he is wearing mm-hmm. and swims out into the ocean. Uh, he rescues Claire, who was out there drowning, gives her CPR. Meanwhile, Charlie is... Um, I, I I feel like we've seen this before. I mean, Charlie is just like shunted off to the side at this point. He's being annoying. He is. He's like getting jealous of Desmond saving his island wife. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. the The idea of like being like comically jealous as like Claire's lungs are like filled with seawater is uh, weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but that's that's Charlie for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, certainly I'm not going to be making excuses for him Uh, and then (laughs) I will say it is kind of funny once once, uh, he gets Claire breathing again Desmond like fireman carries her away (laughs) and Mm -hmm. Charlie just stands on the beach shouting like how'd you know that uh, uh, she was drowning Uh, and Hurley says that it's because Desmond can see the future 
Um, which, I mean, he's not wrong about. Uh, so he, he guesses it pretty much right off. Mm-hmm. Later on, we see Desmond sitting on the beach and looking at a picture of him and Penny. Um, we've seen it before. I have some thoughts about this picture, which we will get to later in the episode. Uh, Claire comes up and makes a little bit of small talk with them. Uh, comes basically to thank him for <laughs> for uh, saving her, saying that she swims out there all the time and never has any issues. Uh, and uh, it, as she's trying to do this normal human thing that you would probably do to someone who saved your life, uh, Charlie comes in and goes, you know, like, Claire, where you been? Aaron's uh, been needing you. Aaron's starving um, is what yeah, he Aaron's said. Starving. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so um, crazy. He was like, yeah. I thought you said it'd be five minutes. Like, yeah. <laughs> shut up, Charlie. Like, I don't know. He was so annoying hey, this episode. Guess what, Charlie? You're on an island. You all have uh, infinite time. That's like the one thing you have a lot of. Um, but yeah, he it, it, it is menacing. I mean, yeah, Charlie. Charlie sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Charlie doesn't buy Hurley's theory. Um, and he has a plan to get Desmond drunk so that he'll tell them how he knew about Claire. And he grabs out of Sawyer's uh, stash a bottle of McCutcheon whiskey. Uh, McCutcheon, not a real brand. It is made specifically for Lost. Uh, it is, I guess, presumably an analog to Macallan, the mm-hmm. actual, like, very expensive brand. Um, mm-hmm. Are you a, a whiskey gal, Emma? I don't like scotch. Okay. I like bourbon, but I really don't like scotch. I can't do it. Okay. Um, yeah, and I, the only alcohol I drink uh, comes in a glass that is shaped like the fruit juice that's also mixed with it. So, mm. um, some Seagram's only... breezes. Well, here's what I, here's what I go. I go to a restaurant and they say, what will you be having tonight, sir? And I will say, I would have one glass of your finest Bahama Mama. <laughs> and, uh, um, and then as they're walking away, I say, don't actually like, you know, make it all bottom shelf liquor, please. <laughs> I, don't, I don't, I don't want your finest. Um, uh, I, the, this bottle is like a, I'm trying to think. I don't think it even really... It might come up again in the show. I imagine it does. I'm sure it does come up again in the show. But this is probably the biggest episode where it's like an actual plot point. Mm -hmm. But this prop has like made its way to other shows. So it shows up... Well, so it shows up on Once Upon a Time. uh, Which was created by Adam Kitsis... Or no, sorry. Edward Kitsis and Adam Horowitz who are writers on Lost and has a lot of Lost crossover and was on ABC. So that one honestly makes sense to me. The one that I think is interesting is it also shows up in a episode of the television program Fringe. Uh, no in way. like season three of Fringe. Yeah, I mean, it's just like a background thing. Uh, and I guess it's because that is also a J.J. Abrams show. But I find it interesting that that one makes it cross-network. Yeah. Oh, no, it was still cross network back then, right? Disney didn't own Fox yet. No. And when French so. was on. Yeah, I don't think so. That reminds um, me of the Morley cigarettes from X Files. How they're like styled to look like Marlboro. But they're Oh, okay. 
They're Morley cigarettes. Just it's funny those brands that oh, they create yeah. for the shows. I kind of love that. Yeah. Where you're like someone's really excited to go and get their like McDouble's hamburger or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> uh, uh Charlie and Hurley approach Desmond and Charlie um I guess he can do this because he's being deceitful and trying to trick Desmond. He apologizes for not being grateful enough uh, that Desmond saved his, uh, I th- was the exact words island side piece? Is that what Charlie said? Mm-hmm. I don't remember exactly. Um, who knows? Uh, Desmond uh, declines their offer to drink uh, together at first, but then accepts after saying it's the McCutcheon bottle. Um, and they get drunk that night, and at first it seems good with them singing and laughing, some singing some body songs about the dang farmer's daughter. Um, poor farmer's but when daughter. Charlie, like you are alone. Yeah, I know, yeah, Charlie, come on. <laughs> um, uh, when Charlie asks how he knew Claire was drowning, and they bring up. Uh, the lightning rod that he made in a previous episode, uh, Desmond is like clearly lying about it and then walks away. Uh, but Charlie calls him a coward, so Desmond comes back and uh, strangles him. Um, and then we get a little bit of a recap, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. No new footage, mm-hmm. but it's uh, all this stuff about the, the hatch imploding. And we go to the moment where Desmond turns the key... Um, and then I believe I don't have to do anything for the rest of this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody buckle up. I'm about to talk for a while. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we are getting to see what happened after he turned the key, which is exciting. Um, I believe that I don't have it written down, but I, I believe the flashback really kicks off with him opening his eye, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and he is covered in uh, red paint, but it kind of seems like blood. Uh, it was pretty ominous um, at first when he first wakes up. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Penny uh, comes in to kind of pick him up and check on him to make sure that he's okay. Uh, Penny and Desmond are in the process of moving in together. Um, and Desmond gives her a big hug and a kiss and is very relieved to see her. Um, it's now I want to say, I think that him having the, the jumpsuit on is a nice touch Mm -hmm. where it looks like the Dharma jumpsuit. Um, I will say, do you think that they are both way too chill about the amount of paint that's on the floor? Oh my God. Yes. Because that stressed me out just looking at it. And I know it's a prop. Like, yeah. but, like, the whole time I'm thinking, like, all right, yeah, I guess you should look at his head, but, like, that's soaking into your floorboards yeah, right now, right. Penny. You guys need to grab the mop quick. Yeah. Also, he's doing a horrible job. Like the Yeah, it the, didn't look good. His <laughs> job is so bad. I uh, can see why he doesn't work. It, it, it says he, later that he did, like, set design. So, like, you can imagine why he got fired from that yeah, job, I guess. Exactly. Um, it's kind of unclear at this point, like, if he has the memories or not. He's kind of going about business as usual, so, 
Um, I get the feeling that he doesn't have them right now. Yeah, sure. That he like kind of has to wake up to him a little bit. Sure, sure. That makes sense. Um, in the next scene, he is wearing a button-up shirt and Penny is helping him with his tie. Uh, he's going to a job interview with her father. And Desmond's reasoning is that he wants Penny's dad to respect him. And that's why mm-hmm. he's going in for the interview. But I would argue mm-hmm. that dynamic is completely built to fail, as we've seen with Jin and Sun's father. So yes. don't like fully understand the the thought process behind that. I know it, it's just a front for um, you know, something else. It's an excuse to get his foot in the door, but uh I have well, issues with I, that and I will address those when we get to that scene, but not the yes. best plan, Desmond. No, here's what I have written in my notes is their relationship issues are entirely on Desmond. Yeah. Because Penny makes super clear here that she does not care about what her dad thinks. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like she, she like specifically calls that out. So for Desmond to like, we've seen in past episodes, he has this weird obsession with Charles Widmore, like wanting to be friends with him or whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not important to Penny at all. It's she just important care. to Desmond's pride. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he has... Here's something else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was oh, going no, to say he has daddy-in-law issues. Not not quite daddy sure. issues, but daddy-in-law issues. All the best podcasts have daddy-in-law <laughs> yes. issues. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, he clearly must also have daddy issues, right? Sure. Like, there's no way that you get that obsessed with Penny's dad, mm-hmm. a guy who, by all accounts, uh, seems awful in every respect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he doesn't have a uh, scene that we've seen him in so far where he doesn't seem like a slime ball. Penny doesn't even want a relationship with him. No. So. You can't. I, I mean, it'd be weird to imagine a conversation between those two at this point. Like, mm-hmm. she seems so nice. Um, I wanted to say, I love in uh, TV shows and movies... Whenever a guy is uh, tying a tie, but he's having trouble with it, so uh, his lady has to come and help him out with it. Uh, I don't know why so many TV shows do it, but so I love many. it every time. So do you know many. how to do that, Emma? Can you can you tie a tie for somebody else? For somebody I feel like else, I would no. Screw that up. No. Yeah, um, I'd be like, all right, well, okay. sit down, and then I have to put my head at your yeah. head level so I can like do this right. Because otherwise, my muscle memory will not work. <laughs> I could probably tie a tie on myself and then pass mm-hmm. it to somebody, but um <laughs> I'd like for once for them to do it where like she's like, "No, come on, let me get that." And then she, her head is blocking it while she ties it and instead when she like walks away, she's just taken the regular tie and put it in like a big bow <laughs> around his uh, around his neck. I think that'd be good. I would like that. Um mm-hmm. This is so dark, but I thought it was so funny at the time. I used to have to wear a tie at a catering gig that I had. And I could never remember how to do it. But I had this meme saved on my phone that was like all the steps of tying a tie, like right next to how to tie a noose. And (laughs) I would always reference that. And I'm pretty sure my coworkers thought I was like insane. (laughs) We're in trouble. Sure. I don't know. But um Hey, Emma, we're we're gonna call a wellness check on yeah. you because 
You keep talking about this noose. Is your emergency contact updated? Um, <laughs> but yeah, anyway, so uh, it's a fun trope when you see it in TV shows. Mm-hmm. It happens all the time. Um, it does. It's probably not even the first time we've seen it in Lost, honestly. Like, there's probably oh, yeah. some somebody's other tied a tie for yes. Jack in yes. some flashback mm-hmm. for sure. It, although it might have been Jack's dad <laughs> that did it for him. True. Um, Which, no Jack in this episode, by the way. I actually just realized that. We got none of the the other people who we, on, you know, whatever, uh, adjunct island. I want to say something a little controversial. Didn't miss them. Uh-huh. Didn't yeah, miss them. Yeah, we've gotten a lot of them lately. Yeah. Although, I mean, last episode was good, but it is nice to... I, I mean, this is where Lost kind of shines, right? It's like, you have this big ensemble cast, so being able to, like just focus in on a kind of not as big uh, presence mm-hmm. in that cast is great. Yeah. I love that. I hope that we see more of that as this mm-hmm. progresses. Um, so uh, as they're kind of going back and forth and Desmond is getting ready, Penny says, if for some reason he's too daft to see how brilliant you are, it's not the end of the world, which triggers Desmond, and he starts to get mini flashbacks, and he hears the mm-hmm. the beeping from the hatch, but it's not actually the hatch. It's the strangest microwave I've ever seen in my life, and it's... Uh, yeah, is that what they look like in uh, England? Is that what microwaves look like? I don't know. Now I feel like I need to Google it, but yeah. it's really strange and then penny takes a cup of tea out of it like yeah no english person or across the pond would Mm -hmm. ever in a million years microwave tea they like make fun of americans for that relentlessly so this is a classic example of how tv shows suffer when we don't have Mm -hmm. any kind of like cultural reference point or cultural representation mm-hmm. we get disgusting yes. nasty scenes like this of yes a it's, british person it's, it's microwaving tea sickening stereotypes and you you just hate to see it and it's also it. pretty unrealistic because she's a woman who didn't just forget it in the microwave right um, yeah and i'm basing that purely on my mom who uh <laughs> Uh, whenever she microwaved her coffee, would just forget that she did that. Oh, really? <laughs> anytime you would, anytime you went to microwave something in my house, you'd have to take out a like freezing cold cup of coffee because it had been in there for eight hours all day. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Uh, in the next scene, Desmond arrives to uh, an office park. It's the Widmore office park. Uh, and checks in with the secretary to see Mr. Widmore. Uh, and as he checks in, a delivery driver drops off a package for 8.15. And mm-hmm. this triggers Desmond again, and he starts to have flashbacks. Yeah. This is this is too clunky for me. Uh, the, I, the, honestly, the, the whole end of the world was like riding the line. This one is... The only thing I'll say about it that I think is good is that I think that this is this kind of like it's not the 
last time that they're going to reuse these sort of tropes in a story on this show. I'll just Mm -hmm. say that without putting out too many spoilers. So I think they kind of had to get this out of their system before they could uh, build on it. But like, yeah, I, why would 815 trigger Desmond? He's known the plane survivors for like three days. Sure. Um, Yeah. Like it, it just should have been something. uh, I don't know. You couldn't have snuck in like 108 minutes somewhere. Sure. I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, Maybe that I would have felt that... clunky, too, if someone had been like, Oi, bruv, oh, I've got an appointment in 108 minutes, see? Yeah. <laughs> um, I kind of, I didn't think of it as the flight number. I thought of it as the the numbers. Oh, the that hash number. I guess that makes a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Because that was his whole life for three years, was just pushing in those numbers. Yeah, okay, fair enough. I guess I'm the idiot here. <laughs> um... He then goes up to Mr. Widmore's office, which is so beautiful. What a gorgeous office. I don't know how I feel about the artwork that's on the walls, but it's a gorgeous space. You don't like, you wouldn't put that up in your own home? I, it's so nasty. I don't like it. <laughs> um, but It has a polar bear it on it. It does have so a polar like, bear on it. It's it's lore relevant. Mm-hmm. That's very true. We should true. see if that's another one. Because you remember last time when... Uh, uh, we I think it was Thomas, Claire's boyfriend. We were making fun of his paintings, and then it turns out they were a painting by uh, Jack Bender, who directed yeah. the episode. I wonder yeah. if this is another situation like that. Although the fact that it has a polar bear on it makes me think that they probably like commissioned it, mm-hmm. or at least sought it out specifically, so maybe not. Yeah, worth looking up, though, because that was pretty funny when we realized that. I'm, I'm going to look it up right now, okay. and we'll find out. <laughs> Mr. Widmore is dissecting Desmond's resume. Uh, He shames him for dropping out of university, even though Desmond starts to tell him that he dropped out to watch his brothers after his father died. Um, So he does have daddy issues. Okay. There it is. Um, But he cuts Desmond off and asks him instead if he has military experience. Uh, Desmond says no. So now we know where we're at in the timeline. It's pre- that his stint in the military. Um, yeah, the wiki tells me that this happens in 1996. Um, oh, okay. So I guess like 10 years earlier. How old is he supposed to be? I don't know. I mean, that's the fun thing about Lost is they don't do any... The only thing they will ever do to like change where somebody's age is is just give them a wig or yeah. take away a wig depending on who it is that's true yeah uh well okay i mean he looks great he looks great mm-hmm. in his 30s and his in his 40s so yeah good for desmond ageless desmond uh comments oh. Oh, what okay it is a jack bender original no it's not it is oh. <laughs> and Here's something interesting. Okay, I'm just going to read this verbatim. Um, One of Thomas's paintings uh, can be seen in Charles Widmore's office. Um, In 2004, the same painting is back in Claire and Thomas's apartment. And the showrunners eventually on... uh, They eventually clarified that there is no character connection... They just explained that Jack Bender, the producing director in Hawaii, likes to add his own paintings to the show. Now, it 
that does mean that it's entirely possible that this painting is literally the exact same painting we made fun of <laughs> last time. <laughs> so, there you go. Oh, my God. Synchronicity. Well, okay. Good for Jack Bender. Yeah. He's he's putting himself yeah. out there. He's, hey. You know. You got to do what you got to do. Art world's pretty cutthroat. That's true. That is true. Um Desmond comments on the boat in uh, Mr. Widmore's office, and uh, he brings up the solo race around the world. Um, and this brings back more flashbacks for Desmond, who sees uh, waves crashing in the storm over on his boat, and then he sees uh, Clancy Brown dying. I cannot, for the life of me, remember what his name was in the hatch. Can you remember? Uh, what was his name? It was a good name, too. It, it, it was a good name. Was it like Gordon or something? No, I can't remember it. Uh, Kelvin, right? That's right. Yep, Kelvin. Kelvin. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so sad that they killed him off, but I. It really is a bummer. It would have been great. I mean, I, well, we'll talk about it. There's a character that I think would have been good for him to be mm-hmm. in this, but also. Uh, wouldn't have made any sense tonally. Sure, sure. Um, so Desmond is kind of losing his bearings here, having these flashbacks, and uh, Mr. Widmore offers him a position in their administrative department. Um, and then Desmond tells him that he's not interviewing to be a part of his company. Uh, he's asking for Penny's hand in marriage. And... Mm-hmm like super elaborate and not cool to like like lead with that dude like just say that instead of yeah i'm gonna go in for a job interview like i don't know i would be so annoyed very weird to trick uh, it, maybe it makes sense to get him to talk to desmond very weird to trick penny about it right like it, it feels like i don't know it may i i think that that's such a weird tradition um it feels like uh, if you are asking somebody's dad for like permission to marry them, it should be because they want you to do that. Yeah. Like not because like you want to do that, right? <laughs> because that that is uh, I would say borderline problematic there. Right. Especially since Penny doesn't care about her dad's opinion yes. at all. <laughs> so, like... yeah. Since you know that if she said. If you had said, do you want me to do this? She would have definitively said, yeah. no. No. Yeah. So, bad judgment call all around by by Desmond. Um, Mr. Widmore says that he's impressed and thinks it's a noble gesture. And he asks mm-hmm. him if he knows anything about whiskey and then goes to his in-office bar, Mad Men style, and... Picks up a bottle of McCutcheon. Did I say that right? I I say McCutcheon. McCutcheon. But... That's mm-hmm. McCutcheon sounds weird. McCutcheon. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. So he picks up a bottle of McCutcheon, and he starts to give a history lesson on McCutcheon. And uh, apparently, he was. I just want to say yeah. this before we blow past it. McCutcheon sounds mm-hmm. like. Uh, half of a name that uh, Bart Simpson would use in a prank phone call. <laughs> it does. Um, <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're going right, to think of the first all. name at, at some point. Um, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll get to it. <laughs> um, Look for that in the show notes, folks. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so he starts giving a history lesson on McCutcheon and he Mm -hmm. apparently was a great Navy officer and retired with several medals. Um, and he grabs two glasses and he pours a tiny little bit, uh, into one glass and then tells Desmond that this swallow is worth more than you could make in a month. And he (laughs) tells Desmond that it would be a disgrace to share it with him because he will never be a great man. And this cuts <laughs> Desmond. He's so upset and sad that this is, and it throws him kind of off guard. And he tries to protest, but Widmer says, what you're not is worthy of drinking my whiskey. How could you ever be worthy of my daughter? Oh. Yeah. Tough. Feels like a speech that he has ready to go. Yeah. Didn't, didn't feel like that was improvised. Felt like that was uh, pre-planned. Uh, I will say something else I thought was funny was uh, people... Because I, I was looking up... Because I wanted to make sure... I, w- I was like 99% sure McCutcheon is fake. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did want to check online and, be, and make sure before I was like completely like... Oh no, that's like a really real fancy bottle of whiskey and... You're a trash monster mm-hmm. who drinks, uh, like, boxed wine. Um, so, <laughs> the uh, uh, the people have figured out, have done the math. If that sip was worth more than what Desmond presumably made in a month, uh, then that whole bottle would have been worth around uh, $68,000. Uh, which is coming in real close to... Uh, the most expensive bottle of whiskey ever made, uh, which is McCallum, the actual like real brand. Okay, but Desmond isn't working, so it could technically cost yeah, fifteen dollars, yes. and it would be more <laughs> yeah, that's true. Whiskey's <laughs> ever made in a month. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know if I believe that it's actually that great a yeah. whiskey. It looks kind of bottom yeah. shelf to me personally, but yeah. <laughs> That's a great point. Um, Desmond leaves the building and throws the tie on the ground, and then he hears someone singing Wonderwall. And guess who it oh, is? It's so perfect that it's Wonderwall <laughs> because it, it, like, obviously they have tried to do the Oasis connections mm-hmm. uh, to uh, Drive Shaft, but Wonderwall has like since the show ended has had this like absolute like meme status as like if you're the douche at a party with a mm-hmm. guitar you're playing wonderwall <laughs> right it's so perfect it's so perfect for charlie on a mm-hmm. lot of levels um <laughs> so it could only have been better if it was wagon wheel yes <laughs> i i went on a mission trip to latvia once and one of the guys that was there had a guitar and that was the only song i ever heard him play on it was wagon wheel so that is also in my mind as a Wonderwall tear song. I don't know if it is, but I always think of Sublime too. Like people who Which... take out the guitar and then start playing Sublime. I'm like, oh, stop. I'm, I don't know what is who is Sublime. What? Or 
what like what's what song are we talking about? What is their big song? There's oh, uh, I just what I got. Up, Santeria. Oh, what I got. That's yeah. a great one. That is yeah, that's great. I know that. Um, I love Sublime. I just don't like hearing sure. people play Sublime on their guitar. To yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Please do not offend. We have a pretty strong Sublime fan yeah, base that listens to the show, and I I really I don't want you guys to be alienated. Emma doesn't speak for me or the podcast. Our demographic is people who enjoy Lost and Sublime. Mm-hmm. There's no yeah. room for one or the other. Um, yeah, and people who uh, uh, like to complain about CGI. Yes, <laughs> uh, that's also in there. <laughs> um, Desmond corners Charlie and asks asks him how he they know each other. And he starts to have more um, realized flashbacks of the island. And he recognizes that he knows Charlie and everything comes mm-hmm. back to him. And he uh, realizes that he has experienced all of this before. So Desmond runs into a university and corners one of the professors uh, asking about time travel. The professor is his friend. I guess that's important to mention. Um, <laughs> yeah, I also think he's cool as hell. Yeah, <laughs> I wish he was in the show more. He he is. He cool. seems like I love how he just shuts Desmond down completely. Doesn't even entertain the idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the kind of friend that you need. Um, mm-hmm. uh, they go to a pub, and he shares everything with this professor of physics. And Desmond wants to know if it's possible for him to go back in time with all of his memories of the hatch. Um, And of course, his friend laughs it off. And then uh, Desmond hears the Mamas and the Papas on the jukebox, which is the same from Down on the Hatch. Well, here's my question. Is that the Mamas and the Papas? Isn't that just Cass Elliot? Oh, I guess I should I should look that up. You know, I did look it, it up, I, and it said Cass Elliot, but the subtitles on Hulu said the Mamas and the Papas. I saw the same thing, and I was like, "Hmm, that seems weird." And the only reason it stuck out to me is because I read a thing a little bit ago about how she actually hated being called Mama Cass. Oh, really? Um, yeah, she like thought it was like kind of dismissive of her career as a whole, mm. which it probably was. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we'll say it was by Cass Elliot then. Perfect. Out of respect. Um, yes, With nothing but respect nothing for Cass Elliot. Nothing but respect. Uh, and he hears the song and it triggers other memories for him. And he remembers this night specifically. And he kind of like grabs his friend and he calls out the score of a soccer match that's on TV saying that a goal gets scored in the last couple minutes and it's a miracle. And he says that someone named Jimmy Lemon is going to, which sounds like an, I think you should leave name Jimmy Lemon. Um, But Jimmy Lemon is going to burst through the door and hit the bartender on the head over money and he dramatically points at the TV expecting the goal to go through, but it's a miss. And as he looks to the door for Jimmy Lemon, two girls walk in. Um, mm-hmm. And his friend tells him that time travel isn't real. And he also finds a way to tie in that Desmond should stop messing around and just marry Penny <laughs> if he loves her. Yeah. I love that he like brings yeah. it down to earth a little bit. Like, why are we talking well, about I this dude? You got to marry 
he's funny. Yeah, he's clearly realizing Desmond's just uh, too nervous about mm-hmm. it. Um, I just want to say before we blow past yeah. it, Jimmy Lemon, great name for a fake gangster. Yes. Uh, mobster guy. We've got to add you know, it to the list. Freaking Jimmy Lemon over here. We have a list <laughs> of fake gangster names from That's another true. episode. What was, what was that one guy's <laughs> name that was so good? I don't know. Um, yeah, well, Johnny Frankenstein. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's me, Johnny Frankenstein. <laughs> Um, you see these bolts in my neck? <laughs> you see these staples in my forehead? Uh, that's good. I would watch that movie, Frankenstein. Sure. Um, oh, yeah. If only James Gandolfini was still Oh, my there. God. He would knock it out of the park. <laughs> uh, Desmond goes home from the pub to Penny in bed, who fell asleep reading a book. And he shares that he didn't get the job, and Penny asks him what happened, and Desmond lies and tells her that it went great, and her father is lovely, but it just didn't work out. Um, mm-hmm. Penny immediately sees through it uh, and tells him that she uh, wants to go and celebrate um, because Desmond just saved himself from... <laughs> Some misery from working for her father. So, like, she obviously just could not care less about his opinion. And Desmond pushes back on this because he doesn't think that not impressing her father is a reason to go out. And he asks her why she loves him. And she says that he's a good man. And he starts tearing up. And um, Penny gets concerned. and, And they... Hug and smooch. Yes. And I, I think this is really great. Yeah. Because um, I I think they do a good job of having this running theme throughout the episode of Desmond feeling like he has to be a great man and being told he has to be a great man versus Penny just needing him to be a good guy mm-hmm. and um, being like completely unable to accept that about himself. Mm-hmm. I do think that the pose that she's in when he comes home and she's like asleep, having like a book on her chest, f- having fallen asleep, is the most unnatural looking pose. I've, uh, nobody could fall asleep like that. Nobody could possibly fall asleep like that. My neck would it, be ruined. Um, ruined. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ruined. Ruined. <laughs> um, <laughs> the uh, uh, yeah, she had her she had her head resting on like the cold metal <laughs> bars of the bed frame. <laughs> like you the can't skinny do that. metal bars that. Yeah. Like, she should have lifted up her head and had a bruise, like, going across yes. her forehead. <laughs> there should have been two indents yeah. in her hair. Yes. Um, in the next scene, Desmond is looking at wedding rings at a cute little antique shop. And mm-hmm. the shopkeeper that appears and helps him is played by, oh, I hope I say this right, Fionella. Fionella Flanagan, who is an Irish actress. Um, her, what? Her what? You don't actually have to say that. If your name is Fionella yeah. Flanagan, you you don't actually have to tell people you're Irish. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. It's just it comes. It's that's part of it. Um, after after your name is written, it should just be parentheses Irish. Mm-hmm. Or it should just <laughs> be show up as green in my notes on my yes. laptop with a yeah, little shamrock. Right. Um, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> 
Her credit list is crazy long. She's been in mm-hmm. so much television and a lot of film. Um, and she usually kind of does like one-off roles in TV. Um, mm-hmm. So... Uh, she kills it in this. She's, she's so good. I think my favorite part of the episode. Yeah, she is so good. Um, she asks what price range Desmond is looking for, and he tells her that he's not a man of means. And she goes to another case and picks out mm-hmm. a small ring that's very pretty, and he says that he'll take it. And her mood just does a total flip. She makes a one eighty. And she says, no, you don't buy the ring. You have second thoughts and you walk out the door. So give it back to me. Um, This is so good. Oh, I love this scene. I mean, like already you're, you in your mind know how this scene goes. Like she's just like the sweet doddering old lady behind the counter. And she is like happy to be a part of uh, helping some young love. And instead for her to be, like, kind of mean Mm -hmm. and, like, immediately mad at Desmond is so good. I just, it it rules. That turn is, like, just perfect. Yeah. Uh, This is, like, I think one of the first episodes of this new season where it was just, like, the energy was off the charts. Like, and she, like, brought it, you know, like. Mm-hmm. This this would not have been the same episode without her contribution to it. Um, so just want to call yes. it out. Like she kills it. Uh, Which this is this is what I was thinking as I was watching it was it would have been cool just because they give us that small little glimpse of Clancy Brown. It would have been cool to have him be the one mm. explaining how the universe works mm-hmm. to Desmond. I think that aspect he could have done quite well, but he could not have done jewelry store counterperson yeah so uh i mean i guess he could have but it wouldn't have been it would have been pretty unbelievable or like quaint unassuming person that totally catches you off guard like right that moment is so good good stuff this is good tv Mm -hmm. um so uh desmond is so confused and kind of pushing back and she plainly says you don't buy the ring desmond But Desmond never told her his name. So how did she know that? Mm -hmm. And she also tells him that he doesn't marry Penny. He goes on to break her heart. And that heartbreak drives him to enter the sailing race, where which puts him on the island, uh, where he spends the next three years of his life pushing the numbers into the computer. Um, She also tells him that if he doesn't do all of these things, then everyone dies. He is too confused to act, so she takes them to get chestnuts and explain things further. Is that a common thing? Well, I I guess I don't know. I mean, who God only knows what they're doing yeah, over there, true. street food wise. Who could tell you? Um, I do think that the phrase "Do you like chestnuts?" feels like a like Gen Z burn gotcha from the internet. Yeah, for sure. Like you're about you say like. Do you like chestnuts? And then you say yes. And they're like, well, how about you chest these nuts? Yeah, right. Or something. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it feels like something that you post under, like, Hillary Clinton's replies yes. or something like that on mm-hmm. Twitter. For sure. Um, she points to a man wearing red shoes and says that it's a bold fashion choice. And 
to be clear, she's correct because otherwise he's wearing like a uh, a suit and tie. Yeah, it doesn't. Uh, and but then he just also has red Converse. Yeah, on. it doesn't match. Sticks out. Um, yeah, not a good fashion choice. It's bold and also bad. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, Desmond decides that he has a concussion and that she is his subconscious and he tells her that there is no button, there's no island, and that he is marrying Penny and he's going to spend the rest of his life with her. And she says, no, Desmond, you're not. And as she says that, a piece of scaffolding falls on the man with red shoes. And uh, she, Desmond is just kind of disgusted i guess with her because he knows that she knew that was going knew that was going to happen um and -hmm. she tells him that the universe has a way of course correcting and that man was supposed to die and that was his path um she tells desmond that he goes to the island because uh he has to and that's his path um desmond tells her that he can choose whatever he wants and that he's going to go to the pier and he's going to marry Penny. And she tells him that pushing the button is the greatest thing he'll ever do. Um, which is sad. Uh, yeah. He ignores this and takes the ring, then begins walking to the pier. He passes a recruitment center for the Royal Scots. And the tagline mm-hmm. on the poster is, become a man you can be proud of. Uh, but Desmond, awful terrible, um, just terrible. Uh, At least the United States military, when it's uh, doing its uh, absolutely immoral propaganda towards teenagers and preteens, uh, has the common sense to have a bunch of Marines in a helicopter fighting a, a dragon. Or yeah. None of that become the man that you could be proud of. Or right. It's basically the U.S does like a call of duty ad but with real people yes yes exactly yeah um he gets to the pier and meets with penny and they pass by a photographer like a street photographer i've never seen anything like this but well okay really You, you don't get hassled on the street by guys wanting to take a photo i mean maybe those guys did exist and we're just like too far into the age of cell phones yeah, to ever remember maybe. that. Maybe. Because that's got to be a guy that like sees the iPhone come out and just goes like, well, guess I got to go back to clown yeah, college or whatever. Yeah, that's it for like, me. This thing's drying up pretty quick, I think. Got to be one of those robots uh, in yeah. New York that doesn't move now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and presumably stabs tourists yes. or whatever. God only knows what those freaks are up to. Um this is the most disappointing part of the episode for me by the way i thought it was kind of cute i kind of like that like the picture that he has is just like a kitschy little last minute photo that they did together no if they're gonna do that the the picture should have been the two of them with their heads in big like plywood cutouts where her head is in the body of the big fat guy and his head is in the body of, like, the bikini babe. I would have um, loved that also. I think that if you're going to do it like that, you need to go all the mm-hmm. way. I don't like this where it... it. I mean, it essentially looks like the picture was them in Sydney. Yeah, it did. 
Um, and I guess that is the level of green screen that they usually do bring to Sydney. <laughs> so I'm, it's kind of jokes on me for believing it. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think it's cute. I I think it's cute, but I understand where you're coming from too. It should have been mm-hmm. uh, like an autumn pumpkin patch trip um, photo. Um, yes, absolutely. So uh, after they take the picture, um, Desmond tells her that he can't do it. And he breaks up with her. Um, I guess the picture triggers something for him. Um, well, he mentions that like he doesn't even have like that. Like she has to be the one to pay for the picture because yeah. he doesn't have the money to pay for mm-hmm. it. But. What I will say is that in the next scene, he does have the money to pay for a pint. Right. So I actually think that's on him for not prioritizing a cute little photo with his uh, with his girlfriend instead of um, getting wasted. Yes, absolutely. That is on him. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, he breaks up with her. Um, he tells her that she deserves somebody better. And she tells him that uh, she wants to be with him. And he says that being a good man isn't enough. And then he tells her that everything is happening too fast um, and starts to make excuses. Uh, And she does not accept this. She slaps him and tells him to stop pretending Mm -hmm. that he doesn't care. And she is like, she rules in this. Yeah. She's so... They did such a good job of keeping her, like, well-written, grounded, and consistent. Um, compared to how, like, dreamy Desmond is in, like, the, like, mental sense. Not, I mean, he is dreamy. He's a dreamy man, yeah. He's a, he's, he's a dreamboat. But the, um, like, they, there's so many flashback characters. Like, if you look at, like, uh, Michael's right. wife. Or I guess not wife, but his ex, uh, Walt's mom. Mm-hmm. Like, she was written so poorly. And it's clear that they put some actual care into Penny, which is great. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, maybe a little bit suspect, knowing that was Damon Lindelof, but whatever. Yeah. I Also, the fact that she is a, a, a woman character who, like, mm-hmm. is actually, like, pretty assertive and um, mm-hmm. consistent, like... I like to see that. It's almost like yeah. they they were like, oh, Penny is going to be in this season, so we have to, like, dumb down Kate. Kate has to be, like, a little more feminine. <laughs> yeah, that, we can't have two, like, sense, self-assured women. Um, yeah. <laughs> the fans just can't yeah. handle it. Yeah, <laughs> they'll stop watching. Um, so she slaps him. Uh, she kind of tells him not to rewrite history. She left her expensive flat to be with him because he was too proud to live in hers so she moved in with him and she says if you want me to go and you want me to leave then don't make this about me you're doing this because you're a coward so now we understand why Charlie's words really kind of triggered Desmond um Mm -hmm. and he says that he's sorry but they're not supposed to be together and she walks away um as she walks away he throws the ring into the water and it sinks to the bottom um and then he goes to a pub and he asks for a pint of their cheapest beer and he tells the bartender that he's made 
the worst mistake of his life, and he's pretty sure he's made it before. Um, the bartender mentions that that's just deja vu, and uh, as he's drinking, um, uh, the make-your-own kind of music starts playing again, Cass Elliot, and the soccer team on the TV scores. Um, Desmond realizes that he was right all along and he feels emboldened to change things because he has free will and he was correct about everything that was going to play out. And as he realizes this, Jimmy Lemon comes in and is ready to hit the bartender with the cricket bat, but Desmond tells the bartender to duck and Jimmy ends up hitting Desmond instead and he gets knocked out. Um, he passes out and when he wakes up, he's back on the island where we saw him before. When he woke up after the hatch. Boy, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we get like a little scene of him. He finds the picture again, which here's what, you know, I'm not going to be too crass here, but he finds this picture as he is completely naked in the woods. When we run into him talking to Hurley again later, he's not holding the picture in his hands. So where was the picture? <laughs> uh, we will not be um, offering any answers on this podcast to that question. Uh, and yeah, we get a little montage of like everything he did up till that point, uh, you know, putting up the lightning rod and all of that. Um, and, uh, and a weird, weird amount of screen time spent on the two scenes earlier this episode that were on the island, mm -hmm. uh, recapping those as well, <laughs> but whatever. Um, uh, as Desmond is choking Charlie on the beach, now that we've come back to the present, Hurley pulls, uh, Desmond off of him. And Desmond cries about how you can't change things. Um, uh, Charlie brings him back to the tent. And I do like this. Desmond, like, apologizes for... Uh, he's like, yeah, sorry, I strangled you, man. And then Charlie's like, ah, not fair enough. Um, which I assume is just kind of how every Saturday night ends uh, for people in the UK. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and Charlie finally is like, but you are going to tell me how you knew about Claire and Desmond, he doesn't explain the flashbacks, but he does say that when the, the hatch exploded or imploded, as they keep saying, uh, that he saw flash, his life flash before his eyes. But, uh, once he came back to the present, the flashes didn't stop and he's been seeing the future. And this whole time he actually hasn't been saving Claire. He's been saving Charlie uh, but he can't stop it forever because, and he echoes, uh, the jewelry store woman, uh, that the universe has a way of course correcting, ending with the ominous phrase, you're gonna die, Charlie. You're gonna die, Charlie. Um, and yeah, that's the end of the episode. 10 out of 10. So good. Uh, yeah, this was great. Yeah. It really, I mean, really fantastic episode. The Charlie reveal is great. I think it's important to note now, uh, we weren't 100% sure when in the last season it happened. I don't think that there's, like, an exact timeline. But, like, at this point, Charlie has 100%, not Charlie, I'm sorry, uh, Dominic Monaghan has 100% uh, broken up with Evangeline Lilly. Mm -hmm. So they've had their bad breakup. Um, not going to get into too many details about it, but uh, Dominic Monaghan has been... Um, pretty vocal about it on Twitter, so if you're interested, you can, I'm sure, find that mm -hmm. stuff out online. Um, that's never... And, that's uh, 
he's bringing that energy to the show. It's he's insanely. I don't know. He's he's a bad presence on the show. Yeah. I, obviously, we've been down on Charlie from the beginning, but um, his energy is not great. I think. Yeah. So this episode came in at number sixteen on IMDb. Oh. Which I that is not the highest we've gotten so far. I'm actually. I'm pulling up the list because I think there's one. Yeah, live together, die alone, parts one and two, were uh, four and five respectively, and all the Exodus parts and the pilots uh, were um, above that. But other than that, it's the first like non-season finale season opener mm-hmm. that is that uh, it's the highest like mid-season episode that we've gotten so far so exciting uh yeah pretty great um just a solid episode of tv that i mean that's the great thing about this right you could watch this episode of the show and like obviously there'd be a lot of stuff that you wouldn't necessarily have context for like basically anything on the island but this you would still understand all of the drama of this episode yeah which is impressive for a show that's kind of as lore heavy as Lost mm-hmm. is. Um, so yeah, uh, next week we are talking about. Um, oh, that's so weird. The uh, um, the Eldritch runes that were blocking the episode title for me have lifted. Stranger in a Strange Land, which is a Jack episode. Yeah. Uh, until next week, you can. Uh, you can, uh, you know, share, subscribe, give us a rating. Um, Emma, any idea how many stars they should be giving us in these ratings? Let's see five stars. Five stars. So that's, uh, one star for, that's one star for each, uh, douchebag song that we named over the course of this episode. Mm. Uh, um, and we, uh. We didn't even really get to the phrase how to save a life. No. So think about that. Uh, <laughs> uh, you can follow us on Twitter at All the Best Pods. You can email us All the Best Podcasts at gmail.com. And until next week, get lost. Get lost.